You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BJ Radio, episode number 363. Going to recap the Eagles' uh, very uncomfortable win uh, over the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday evening. Uh, but before we get to all that, wrong crowd beer. Actually, we have an announcement. We are going to have a party at wrong crowd beer. Wrong crowd, you know, the wrong crowd beer company in Westchester, PA. Uh, put it on your calendar right now. November 30th is going to be Boom. a Thursday night game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. And we're going to have a little meetup. Come on by, hang out with us and watch that game. We can't, of course, go out for Eagles games because we're busy. Uh, and when they're on the road, we work. I'm on the road. And when they're at home, we're at the stadium. So we can't like, you know, have any kind of meetup or anything like that for an Eagles game. But for a Dallas game, you know, what, what, what do we call it? Like a hate watch game? We can do that maybe. Sure. And uh, sure. we can hang out on a Thursday night and have some beers and have some wings and what, your jalapeno poppers that you like? Is that what? That's right. The bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers. And uh, yeah, just good times all around there. Wrong crowd beer. Uh, go there, of course. And also. God. From a standpoint of like, you know, okay, everyone rooting for the Cowboys to lose. You watch that. It happens. Great. And if it doesn't, it's like, eh, okay, well, that's unfortunate. But, uh, you know. Yeah, and you go home and you go to bed. The Seahawks the Seahawks lost. And that, that would be good because potentially, you know, for the Eagles, the playoff seating or whatever. So, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, and otherwise, just go to Wrong Crowd Beer in Westchester, PA. And if you can't and you still want to order their beer online, you can do that at wrongcrowdbeer.com. Or... Wherever you go to buy your beer, they should have it there. And if they don't, be like, yo, dude, where's the wrong crowd beer? Get it in here so that I can drink my wrong crowd beer as long as I'm 21 years old. Uh, got a lot to get to in this episode, Brandon. Um, again, Eagles, narrow victory, 28 to 23. And if you listen to the last podcast episode, mm. you know that that was the yeah. final score that this guy, job by you. this guy right here predicted. Yeah, I never get those right. Like I've been picking, you know, scores pretty consistently for years, and I don't. I, this might be the first one I got right, and I always pick weird scores, so that's part of it. But uh, and nailed this one, twenty eight to twenty three. Boom! Good job by me. Good job by you, Jimmy. It's funny because I was at twenty eight twenty four, and you were like, "Well, I'm actually one point <laughs> below that." <laughs> that's what it turned out to be. So great job by you. Look, uh, the Eagles almost blew that game. Obviously, we all saw it happen. That being said, I guess my big takeaway from this game, big picture, is that 
And <clears throat> shout out to Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad, who had a good video that he shared on his Twitter account, which you can check out. And I have that linked at bleedingyournation.com. My winners, losers, I don't know this article. Like, I get that it was narrow, and the Eagles almost did blow it, and that would have been a really big deal. But ultimately, they did not blow it. Yeah. And you're allowed to enjoy, I think, enjoy uh, this win that was massive for playoff implications, and we can get into that because the Eagles are sitting in a not like, you know, nothing's locked up, but they're sitting in a very favorable spot, I would say, at 8-1 and one, entering this bye here. Especially much better than, you know, being 7-2 and two and then seeing the Cowboys get to 7-2 and two during the Eagles' bye week, probably, with a win over the Giants. So, massive win. And also, like, I just think people are a little bit spoiled when... Gee, there's the oh, fire. my I God. Good Lord. <laughs> Man, I blew up okay, my eardrums. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'll try to have Rachel maybe edit that. I, I did warn you, in fairness, that was going to happen potentially at some point. Um, yeah, it's all think about it's awful for me, too. Um, uh, <clears throat> anyway, sorry. Uh, leave that in. Now, let's might have leave to that edit in. around that. Yeah. I don't want people, I don't want people to be like. In the car and you know, like driving off the road because there's a jump scare audio. Maybe we can just turn the volume down on it or something. Yeah, we'll we'll try to figure that out. But anyway, sorry. The point I was trying to get to there um, is that I just I saw some Negadelphia sentiment after that win, and I'm not here for that, man. Like it's a win over the Dallas Cowboys, and it was massive implications. Like I keep saying, and that's not to say that you can't, you know. Uh, pick nits and obviously you know we do this podcast and we try to analyze the team objectively it's not just all sh- sunshine and rainbows i'm not saying that but there it is again. <laughs> so it, it's is it still go i see the flashing on your screen is it still yeah okay it looks like you're good now oh maybe not <laughs> okay <And> then... <laughs> all right i'll continue on brandon's point there and actually conversely uh, the odd thing that I've seen in the wake of this game from the Cowboys perspective is they seem happy with the result of this game, which is insane to me. You're happy that you lost to your biggest division rival. Like it, like it's some kind of moral victory. And we're not just like players have like made comments like that. Like Michael Parsons has made comments like that. Jerry Jones has made comments like that. Their fan base has made comments like that. It is Logging insane the boys, yeah. that they're happy with the result of that game. They had it won. Like if that if that if the reverse outcome happened in this game, like everything the Cowboys did, the Eagles did, and everything the Eagles did, the Cowboys did, people would be furious here, and rightfully so. They had that game on lock in that on that final drive where they basically could have taken four shots into the end zone and they blew it. Man, how can you be happy with what happened in that game if you're a Cowboys fan, player or owner, anything? It's crazy to me that the way that the tide has sort of turned in this rivalry in which yeah, the Cowboys always kind of thought of themselves. <laughs> the Cowboys always kind of thought of themselves as like, uh, you know, like the big older brother to the Eagles, kind of beating them up and picking on them, and you know, the Eagles wanted to be what the Cowboys were, and blah 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 blah. That has taken a one eighty with their fan base, where they seem to really respect the Eagles to an extreme degree where like they're happy with a, with a, you know, a narrow loss. That is crazy to me in the aftermath of this game, that that has been the common sentiment coming from that, from those players, owner and fan base. 
I really wish they could just tell me, you know, like when they were going to do this. They tell me the day, <laughs> but they don't tell me like the time for the alarm. So it's I'm totally just, you know, it's a total wild card. I'm just waiting for them. And then what are they doing? They're again, testing them. It's not just like okay. Yeah, they have to okay. every year, whatever. I get that. That's nice they do that. But, like, I mean, it'd be nice if they could give you, like, a time frame even. Uh, anyway, sorry. This is, like, a really important point that yeah. I'm trying to make, but I keep getting interrupted. Maybe the Cowboys fans or someone who's a controller. No, you're not talking about case. this, Brandon. My thing. <laughs> they're trying to silence me, and they can't do it. Um, I So here's a stat for you. The Eagles have either held or shared the top record in the NFL for every week since the beginning. <laughs> I'll continue with that. That's right. Like the Eagles, of course, were the final of week one, 2022. Oh, is that right? Like yeah, okay. That they, makes that's sense. they've been. Yeah. Since the beginning of last season, they've either had or sh- like solely or shared the top record in the NFL. I think I honestly, here's my take. I think a lot of Eagles fans are spoiled right now and are not properly taking uh, what's been going on with this team. Like, uh, they actually no, not they are taking it for granted and not properly appreciating it along the way. I know the goal is the Super Bowl. I know they have to play better, but you also have to take uh, inventory and stock of the moments along the way. And again, you beat your top division rival. Like yeah, ha- I know they almost blew it. They didn't blow it. You have to enjoy it. Doesn't mean everything's perfect, but they're eight and one at the bye. What more could you want? What what team out there? My, here's the thing I, I phrased to RJ on an NFC East mixtape. What team, if you're an Eagles fan, what team out there are you trading places with? Let's say you could trade places right. with like any team. What team is that? What team? Is it the Ravens? Okay. They lost to Gardner Minshew and Kenny Pickett. The, the quarterback has, has what, one playoff win? Yeah, He's one in three in the playoffs. And not, like not only just that, he's been terrible in the playoffs. He's been horrible. He's like a pass rating of, like of 72.4 or something. Like a pass rating in the 70s. He's He's thrown, he's produced like four touchdowns to seven total turnovers in the playoffs. Okay, that's the, that's the team you want to trade places with? Knock your socks off. Uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs? Okay, that's not really saying much because you're picking literally the reigning Super Bowl champs who have the best quarterback ever, maybe, and one of the best head coaches, if not the best head coach ever. Okay, and also, by the way, not everything is perfect with them. They just lost to the Broncos. Almost lost the game by like, <laughs> right. uh, or right. almost allowed like the most points in NFL history in a game this year. I, and then the much the, tougher conference there's an also there's an article right now on arrowheadpride.com which is the Chiefs version of BGN that's like quote unquote the offensive line has been a disaster the past 2 weeks. Like there there's no roster out there where they're like or their team out there where like everything's great. Everything's awesome. There's no holes here. There's no concern. that doesn't exist. And I feel like people hold the Eagles to this standard or some fans hold the team to this standard that everything has to be perfect and everything has to be fine and feel great. That's not real. That's not a real standard to set for the team. I think people might be comparing it to last year's team. But, like, that's also not a realistic standard to hold them to. It was the best season ever, literally, in Eagles franchise history. They're not going to have the best season in Eagles franchise history, like, year after year. Like, that is the high watermark. They're not going to hit that same level again, especially when there's been change. I'll, I'll piggyback off that. So, uh, in my 10 awards thing, I noted just Jalen Hurts' stats on the game. And he was, what, 20 – or I think he was – 17 of 23 for 200 something yards. Um, I don't have it in front of me here, but uh, you know, in a couple touchdowns, no interceptions and played through a very painful knee injury that he aggravated during the game when he took a big shot in the knee 
And like, I don't remember where this happened, whether it was on Twitter or in the comment section of my article or whatever, but somebody objected to the idea that he had a good game because he only had 200 something passing yards, which is like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, so I'm with you that the dude volume stats, people don't like understand. I feel like I'm not, I'm trying not to sound high, high and mighty here, but I feel like people don't understand volume stats. Like, because you, you actually made a really good point about this with the Eagles pass defense. Like their passing volume yeah, yeah. stats don't look as good as if you go by yards per pass attempt, right? Which is a rate stat, rate. Yeah, the the stat Brandon is referring to there is uh, I saw. I think it was the Athletic in their power rankings said something to the effect of like the Eagles are the um, they're twentieth in yards per play allowed on the season, like five point something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but if you you know dig down a little bit more, you see that. The Eagles are facing more pass attempts than any other team in the NFL. Uh, closest team is oh no, I think the Jaguars maybe may have faced more, but they're facing a ton of pass attempts this year, and the percentage of plays that are pass attempts is like seventy one percent or something like that, and that is by far uh, the most in the NFL. Jacksonville, I think it's like sixty six point five percent, and a couple good reasons for that. The Eagles run defense is elite and they've also had, you know, leads in most of their games uh, for the majority of the game, this from the, for the majority of their games this season. So of course, you know, the, the number of pass attempts are going to be high uh, for their opponents this season. Now pass, you know, yards per, per uh, pass attempt are generally speaking going to be way higher than, you know, yards per rushing attempt. So when you look at like, the number of passes the Eagles are facing, of course, their total yards per, you know, the total yards per play for their opponents is going to be artificially higher because so many teams are passing against them. But when you look at like their yards per rush attempt, they're 3.7, which is sixth in the NFL. And then the yards per pass attempt against them is like 6.5, I believe, something, something in that ballpark, which is 14th. In the NFL, so yeah, they're they're allowing the twentieth highest yards per play in the NFL, but they're sixth in yards per rush and they're fourteenth in yards per pass. And does their pass defense have to get cleaned up? Yeah, of course it does. Dak Prescott threw for three, you know three hundred fifty yards against them, no yeah. interceptions. Um, you know, it was very efficient. Ceedee Lamb had one hundred ninety one receiving yards. He's the only guy on that on that you know in in that. Dallas offense that can really put a hurting on you in the passing game. And for whatever, like their, I thought their plan for CV lamb just wasn't very good. And then just their Agreed. coverage on them wasn't very good either. So yeah, I mean, a lot of things got to get cleaned up, but 60,000 foot view, <laughs> it's really hard to, to find a lot of things to get mad at with the Eagles so far this season. And, and, and also in my opinion, in that game, uh, you mentioned Jalen hurts. Obviously, the the big moment in the game was when he does take that helmet shot to the knee, his bone bruised knee, and he gets up really slowly. And I don't know if you, well, yeah. So you weren't, yeah, you weren't there. I forgot. Sorry, at the game uh, this weekend because you were sick. But the link, you could hear like a pin drop. Yeah, at, at halftime, especially like like there was a very, I, I could just you could feel how uneasy things were. Understandably so. Jalen Hurts comes out though early in the third quarter. Third and three. <laughs> Third and three hits 
Devontae Smith on a go ball down the left. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, what player are we referring to then? Oh, he runs. Okay. Brandon's doing a little running motion. He reads He reads Micah Parson and takes t- Parsons takes off running. So it's like, okay. And then I think it was three plays later, he just drops an absolute dime to Best throw of the season, Smith. by the way, in my opinion. Also, you know, the player he beat on that was Deron Bland, who's having like a, an awesome season yes. for the Cowboys. Deron Bland has actually allowed the lowest pass rating in the NFL this year of any cornerback. Like, that's like a perfect throw to beat a cornerback who's having an awesome season. Mm-hmm. Like, that that was an incredibly impressive moment in the game. I think, like, if you're an Eagles player, imagine just like... <laughs> yeah, on that play, uh, great coverage by Bland, uh, specifically on that play, too. And, you know, Devontae Smith did a good job at the very last second, kind of separating with his arm, so much so that Dallas fans didn't even complain about that. It wasn't it wasn't among their 10 to 15 complaints about the officials uh, from this game, but that ball couldn't have possibly been placed any better. Mm-hmm. And Devontae Smith did a great job tracking it and separating at the last second and making that play. But imagine being, you know, like Hertz's teammate and like seeing him go out and do that after almost right, like right. questioning if he could even finish the game. Like you must be fired up. You're like, yeah, like, you know, like we're we're in a good spot. We're in good hands. We just took the lead. We're going to win this game like that. I think that like inspires so much confidence. And you can see like that kind of stuff is what resonates with guys in terms of Jalen Hurts, like being a leader and, and being a, a teammate that people believe in. And honestly, just being a winner, like that's part of the, like the winning DNA. The fact that Jalen Hurts has joined the likes of like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Jim McMahon and Joe Montana as the only quarterbacks ever to win at least 25 games. <laughs> it's brutal. In a 27 game stretch. <laughs> All right, they work. They clearly work. Just can we not? Like, <laughs> what more is there to prove with the alarms here? Like, they clearly work. Well, after the game, you know, he's he's interviewed. Sure. I guess it was probably by uh, Fox. I don't I don't know. But I just I just found the clip on Twitter where Joe and Hertz is saying, "For this team, for this city, I'll do anything." And mm-hmm. he means that. Those aren't like empty words. That sounds like a like the kind of thing you know any player might say. But he means that, and like he is a like just a true badass leader that you know every team on 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 this roster can get behind. Um, you know, following he's twenty five years old, and you have guys like Jason Kelsey who like basically are like this guy is the leader, and you know the the one you know the the one of the best leaders I've ever played with in my in my professional career. Uh, they needed him to have a big game. And like, you know, huge match again, massive. (laughs) Yeah. And he did, like I mentioned the uh, 17 to 23 for 200 something yards, no interceptions. Um, You mentioned about when he went down and when he got up from that hit, by the way, I don't know if you, you probably couldn't see this from the stadium, but on the TV, I don't know how many people noticed this watching this on TV, but his legs, both of them were shaking like, cause mm. I don't know if you've ever been in so much pain that like your body kind of shook. He was sure. doing that when he was trying to get up off the ground. And then of course he dragged his leg uh, off the field and, but only, and like, he didn't miss a snap. And he, he went back in. Like, it wasn't like he went back in at after, like in the next half, he went, he handed the ball off. He didn't drop. They didn't have him drop back and pass or anything like that. He handed the ball off and then they punted. But like for him to go back in the game and not miss a snap, he showed no weakness whatsoever. And if you're Dallas, yep. you're thinking, oh, we just hit this guy. 
he's hurt. They watched him like limp off the field. Then for him to go right back in and run a play. Oh, well, I guess we still got to deal with this guy a little while longer. But <laughs> so that, you know, you, and let's be real, like guys are trying to hurt quarterbacks in the NFL. Like that's part of, of the objective of, of, of these guys during a the game. They're probably really happy with themselves. And by the way, that should have been flagged as a, as a roughing the passer penalty on Demarcus Lawrence. Like mm-hmm. he didn't, I don't know if he necessarily meant to hit Jalen Hurts where he hit him in the knee, but that is flagged typically like 99% yeah. of, yeah, of the time. Yeah, you can't go low. The, it's the Brady thing. Maybe they just didn't call it because it was kind of among a mess of other bodies and they just didn't, I can't imagine they couldn't see it. Like, what are you looking at? Anyway. Maybe uh, they interpreted that like Lawrence got pushed into his knee. Cause I think that's the thing, right? I don't like, even think that pushed, really happened. Like he was kind of already well, I'm going saying, low. Not, that's the, not that that's what happened, but yeah, maybe that's yeah, like yeah. their, that, that, what they saw or whatever. But um, yeah, I, the point being made here is that, you know, you, you kind of start to, you see the quarterback get hurt. And then his face just never changes. <laughs> like you got to see, he was hurt when he was limping off the field, of course. But very quickly, that face turned to his typical just stone-faced expression, where like he's unflappable, and it's going to take more than that to get me out of this game. Um, my next biggest thing, I guess, looking through here was that. Um, hmm. I mean, just. Uh, I guess why don't we get into? I mean, there's a lot to cover. There's yeah, so much to cover. But like the the playoff implications are huge. The fact that the Eagles, anytime the Eagles have started eight and one ever, they've literally gone to the final game of the season. So like dating back to 1949, like they won the NFL championship twice, they won the Super Bowl once, and then they lost three Super Bowls. But they've always made it there. That doesn't mean they're definitely going to make it again this time. But that's like it's pretty good company to be in and. You have this cushion now. You probably, if you, like, this next five-game stretch is the big one, clearly. What they do here, and especially what they do against Dallas in Week 14, that second matchup, will really determine what's going to go on in terms Mm -hmm. of this playoff seeding. But it's just, you have such a favorable position to get that one seed if you can take care of business. I think if you go three and two in these next five, and then you close out the season with wins over Giants at home, Cardinals at home, Giants on the road, but I bas- I feel like that's going to be a home game at MetLife with the Giants season in the toilet and Eagle Sands potentially, yeah, assuming it's a meaningful game for Eagle Sands, um, you know, not having to go too far to take over the stadium there at MetLife to cheer their team on if there is implications. Um, like, that's a great spot to be. Yeah, they got a two and a half game cushion. And, um, you know, of course, they're on their bye week this week. Cowboys have three really easy games over their next three weeks. So they are home against the Giants. They're like 16-point favorites in that game. They're on the road against the Panthers. They'll be probably two touchdown favorites in that game. And then they're at home against the Commanders. And uh, I think that's on Thanksgiving. And that'll be – I mean, they'll probably be double-digit double digit favorites in that one as well. Commander, Commanders feisty a little bit. And also, Cowboys tend to lose on Thanksgiving, don't they? Uh, I don't know when no, the they, last they, they won last year. But yeah. remember, like – and the years before that, they were it was kind of like a bugaboo for them. They lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Commanders that one year. The Bills beat them one year. The Chargers yeah. beat them one year. Yep. Yeah, it feels like when they play these AFC teams, they lose to them. Um, when they play teams like the Commanders or the Giants, though, they usually handle their business, I feel like. We'll see. But um, anyway, but, but again, they probably will be double-digit favorites in that game, or at least close to it. But then... 
they have sort of an Eagles like gauntlet of, you know, like a five game stretch where they play the Seahawks at home. Again, meet us at wrong crowd here company and watch the game there with us. And then they have the Eagles at home and then they have two games in a row on the road against the AFC East, really good teams in the bills and the dolphins. And then they're home against the lions, which is uh, certainly a tough game as well. And then they finish out the season uh, in Landover, Maryland against the commanders, which they lost in the same game last year. They got actually got blown out and like they had a chance to still win the NFC East <laughs> heading into that week 18 game uh, in Washington last year. And they got their asses kicked by Sam Howell and the commanders. So that's, that game's not a gimme either, but um, yeah, they have that five game stretch. I think for the Eagles purposes, they're probably going to give away a game, maybe more uh, over the next few weeks. And, to, but to have that 2.5 game cushion uh, in their pocket already is huge uh, because like I said, like that, this three game stretch that the, that the Cowboys have against the Giants, Panthers and commanders, they're probably going to win all three of those games. Uh, so like, I, and I'm with you. So you mentioned like, if they can just go three and two over the final five games of this quote unquote gauntlet, then they're in really good shape because you figure they're going to handle their business against Giants, Cardinals, Giants at the end of the season, especially with, I mean, Daniel Jones stinks, but He's done for the year. So when you face the Giants, you're either getting Tyrod Taylor or Matt Barkley or uh, <laughs> the Italian guy. Uh, what's his name? It's uh, Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going to get like some kind of backup quarterback in both of those games. Um, Kyler Mary might be back uh, very soon for the Cardinals. He may play actually as soon as this weekend for them. So maybe he's available. Uh, for the Cardinals in that game. But again, point being made here is you get you go three and two in that stretch and you're in really good shape uh, for both the division. And then in the NFC, just in general, uh, the closest team to them right now is the Lions at six and two. You got a 1.5 game uh, lead over Detroit, of course. Detroit's got, Detroit's schedule down the rest of the stretch is insanely easy. Uh, so, you know, they're kind of like a... Um, uh, maybe not like a, uh, an underdog to get the one seed. I would probably put them as like the second most likely team. I think like, I don't know if you follow uh, in predictable with uh, the chances for the one seed, but they have the Eagles at 57%, I think the 49ers at 16% and the lions at 15%. Uh, on the season. So the Eagles are, uh, bottom line here, this win, they're in great shape both in the division and in the conference itself. Okay. I'm really sorry. Thank you, Jimmy, <laughs> for working through this. This has been hellish and I still think it's going on. Uh, all right. Why don't we take a break here before we get into more things? We will be back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 
back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, where um, I missed some of what you said there because I had to do something while you were talking. But I was just talking uh, about the uh, the cushion they have in the uh, NFC okay. East and in the NFC. We can move past that, I think. Well, we've already hit on a lot of things, but um, probably most important to bring up that, I mean, the play of the game in terms of like sealing the game when all hope was lost and the Cowboys drove freaking from their own 14 to the Eagles six yard line in 19 seconds with no timeouts to potentially win the game at the end. It was Josh Sweat. Who came up really big? Josh Sweat, all of a sudden. I think that's the biggest from, play of the season so far this year. Sure. I mean, in terms of, again, the value of this win. I mean, it was also kind of funny from the standpoint of he's rushing from where Hassan Reddick usually was yeah. and beat Terrence Steele, sacks Dak, and, you know, that pretty much ended it. That ended, I mean, you know, the Cowboys, Dak took a shot, hurried up and took a shot into the end zone and third down incomplete, out of bounds. And then fourth down, you know, short of the goal line there. The Eagles are able to rally and tackle CeeDee Lamb, keep him out of the end zone. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Josh White came up huge. He's having a huge season. He actually ranks tied for the the league lead in pressures generated. He ranks tied with Micah Parsons. So I think it's fair to say that Josh Sweat is pretty appreciated locally. But from a national level, I think he deserves more uh, attention, respect, whatever you want to say. Yeah, uh, and he started getting it a little bit, I think, this week after, uh, you know, everyone nationally saw him close out this game. Uh, but yeah, he's he's been kind of like a borderline star player over the last two years here. And the Eagles pass rushers just kind of have a knack for making... I think they were like, I don't want to say invisible, but they were not getting as much pressure as we're accustomed to see them getting throughout the bulk of this game. But when they really needed stops, Brandon Graham had two sacks um, in the drive prior to the you know the final drive where Josh Sweat had his big play. Um, two huge sacks by Brandon Graham on consecutive plays. He all but ended that drive. And then Josh Sweat has the big one at the end of the game. And we've seen Hassan Reddick basically close out three games already so far this season with, with sacks at the end of games. So, I mean, that's the strength of the team very clearly is mm-hmm. uh, is their edge rushers. And then obviously on the interior with, with guys like Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and, and, and Jordan Davis. I didn't think those guys ha- were really impactful in this game. Uh, I thought that the Cowboys guards in Tyler Smith and Zach Martin were both awesome in this game. And they were the best guards the Eagles have faced by far so far this season. And the interior, like I actually thought the edge rushers were winning all night. They were getting Dak to step up into the pocket. But when he was doing that, the interior just wasn't getting enough of a push to make him pay for, for stepping up into the pocket. Um, But the edge rushers from Reddick had a sack, of course, earlier in the game. Um, But from Reddick to sweat to, to BG, Ultimately, why they won this game was because of the plays that those guys made. Um, a hundred percent. I and also I don't know if you remember. I don't remember if you just mentioned this right now, but the push out that Brandon Graham had, like the the, the hustle. Uh, yeah, I did not. Yeah, on the yeah. two point conversion, because like you know, obviously, lol, Dak for stepping out of bounds, but Brandon <laughs> yeah. Graham also like got over there to like make sure that it was closer. Uh, than it could have been otherwise. For yeah, Dak, Dak just jogs in. right in. Yeah, he just jogs in if, if BG doesn't hustle on that play. So credit to Brandon Graham for coming up big. And it was kind of like, you know, Brandon Graham had only 
half a sack and one tackle for loss in his first eight games this year. So it was kind of like, is BG kind of just, you know, done? Is he cooked? Um, you know, everyone still loves him, obviously, because he's an all-time eagle. By the way, he's now one game away from tying David Aker's record as the player with the most games played for the Eagles franchise ever. So he's going to overtake mm-hmm. that, assuming, you know, knock on wood, he can stay healthy uh, going into the Bills game. But, um, yeah, I mean, huge. I mean, they, those should have been the game. <laughs> If the offense did their part on the final drive and was able to get a first down and actually played for the first down, which we can get into. Hey, Butters, I heard that. Okay, so this is an episode from hell, really battling through everything. I'm pretty sure Butters just stepped on Jimmy's keyboard and knocked him out. Butters, by the way, for you who don't know, is Jimmy's cat. So, um, great. Maybe just need to stop down here and not fill space because here he is. Jimmy's <laughs> sorry back. about that. No, this is again. This is the episode from hell. I'm so sorry, Rachel. I don't know what happened, but Butters jumped up on the uh, desk here and he must have stepped on something. <laughs> I, I heard Butters meow, and then I just saw, heard you laugh, and then I just saw it go kaput. And now you're back and you're frozen, which is fine, but I can still hear you. So okay, um, okay. Uh, so, you know, anyway, thought, you know, it was a good, it was a good game to see like, oh, BG's still here. And, and again, I was saying if the offense did their part at the end, that would have been the Cowboys final drive. Like BG would have ended the game for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to him. Uh, my next thing, Jimmy, is that remember in the preview show towards the end of the show, I think. I said, hey, I need to enter the trust tree with everyone. Actually, can I can I stop you there real quick okay. before we get to the trust tree? I want to note that in the last episode, we pinpointed – not this is really hard to do, but we pinpointed Terrence Steele as the guy that like really was at a matchup big-time disadvantage against the Eagles. Mentioned mm-hmm. that like it had torn ACL, MCL, MPFL uh, in December of last year, and he wound up playing week one somehow this year. And the reason's why – it's because they rushed him back <laughs> and he's not fully healthy. Clearly he has no lateral, you know, agility. Uh, and, and the Eagles kept, you know, uh, rotating guys in to face him specifically, uh, in that game. Like, as you mentioned, Josh sweat got his sack from that side. Normally I don't switch sides all that much. Like it's just Reddick over there and sweat on the other side, but they kept, they kept switching sides with those guys all throughout the game. Terrence Steele gave up four sacks in that game. Mm-hmm. So he gave up all of them basically to the, to the edge rushers. Uh, Reddick got them. BG had both of his against Terrence Steele and mm-hmm. Josh Sweat got his against Terrence Steele as, as well. Like that's the guy that Cowboys fans and whoever else are killing, uh, in the aftermath of this game, probably unfairly because again, they, they rushed him back. He shouldn't, mm-hmm. he's like, he should have been playing that soon. And now like they have a, they have a major problem, uh, at right tackle going forward because he just, he just couldn't play against these Eagles edge rushers who, are, you know, probably a lot better than a lot of the other guys they face so far this year. Um, getting back to what I was saying in the trust tree, I was saying I had felt like the big pet peeve for me was like, oh, Dak owns the Eagles. Cowboys own the Eagles. And I think the win-loss record in this series doesn't totally do it justice when it comes to how close it truly has been and how some of these games have been decided by like very lucky things that don't speak to the Cowboys owning the Eagles as much as they've just gotten some very nice breaks and to the Cowboys credit, they've taken advantage of them in the past. But like 
I, I went back as far as 14, 2014, when Dan Bailey kicks that opening kickoff and it bounces back towards the Cowboys. It's the only time I've ever seen like a, <laughs> right, an yeah. accidental onside that. kick yeah. like that. Uh, I also went back to Leotis McKelvin dropping a, a fourth quarter pick on Dak in 2016 and then the Cowboys winning that game in overtime where they win the coin toss. So like they, you know, literally like a flip of a coin helps them win the game. Um does Dak still own the Eagles if the Eagles win the coin toss in that game? And then again in 2018, which was also the no clear recovery game, by the way. And how, how many games team, has he won against them in like meaningless last game of the season games? It's two. Two? It's, okay. Yeah. Well, at least one. Maybe not two. The one in 2020. I think two is right. One. And then I can't remember the other one because he played in 2016, but he lost that game because the Eagles went out. The Eagles were still playing their starters. Um, but anyway. well, no, okay. So they they have a win in 2017 against them. Remember the six oh, nothing true. game? Yes, yeah, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Against so Nate he, Sudfeld. He's if, <laughs> so you should take out yeah two. He's two and one in games where it just okay. didn't really matter. Yeah, at all, all right. <laughs> so and in any case though. Uh, the 2018 game was like insane with the no clear. That's the most unconscionable call I've ever seen go against the Eagles. Just, you know, insane. And uh, that's also a game where Dak threw a pass on third down that was deflected by Russell Douglas. How often does a pass that gets deflected go directly into the receiver's hands for the game winning touchdown in overtime? Because that's exactly what happened with Amari Cooper. And then just even last year, Hassan Reddick strip sacks Dak. The ball's in his hands for a little bit there. Um, it looks like there's so many Eagles defenders in the area. It looks like, oh, they have it. Somehow Tyler Biotish got it instead. And then in that same game, Gardner Minshew and Miles Sanders lost fumbles to the Cowboys. So the point being, the fumble luck was clearly going against the Eagles in that game. On Sunday night, this week, the Eagles had fumble luck going for yeah. them. And it was very fortunate. But like the Eagles have no reason to apologize, my point being, because they've had a lot of breaks go against them in this series specifically in the past. I think and – and I said that in the preview episode. I said I think maybe they're just kind of just due to get lucky at some point here, and they were lucky, and that's fine because these things tend to even out in the bigger picture. But like there's no need for the Eagles to apologize or like feel bad that they got some breaks because, number one, that's football. That's what happens sometimes. And number two, I think they were due. Yeah, I mean, the three fumbles were Sam Sam Williams strip sacked uh, Hertz. Ball took a really fortuitous bounce, I thought, off of Williams' hand, and it went right back into Hertz's gut, and he just fell on it. Uh, DeAndre Swift had the fumble deep inside Cowboys territory, like they had two of against mm. Washington the previous week. Like they got to <laughs> stop. They got to stop that nonsense. What's and going on? That you know, Swift happens to corral the ball while he's already laying on the ground. They got lucky with the way that. Um, that ball kind of bounced back to him <laughs> like because there's the Dallas defenders all over the place. And then, of course, Swift, I guess we could put the fumble on Swift. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the game. Uh, I mean, AJ runs into him. I can't. But you still got to hold on to the ball. I mean, I guess, but AJ also can't run into him. <laughs> and there's just a sw- when he fumbles that ball swarm of Cowboys in the backfield. And I don't know how Tyler Steen came up with that football, but he did. So, you know, the Eagles had three fumbles and they got them all back. Mm-hmm. And then to add to the luck, you know, the Luke Schoonmaker non-TD was extremely lucky right. where his knee is down before the ball crosses the plane. And then, um, you know, Dak, of course, as you mentioned earlier, stepping mm-hmm. out of bounds before, you know, diving right. for, for the two-point conversion was super lucky as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the luck 
no question swung back in the Eagles' favor big time. And they don't win this game probably without a lot of that luck happening. But again, as you mentioned, they're kind of due. <laughs> like if yep. the Eagles have been on the on the bad side of the of the luck coin uh, in in most of these you know Eagles Cowboys matchups. And and yeah, they finally they finally got uh, that that came back in a big way uh, on Sunday night. Yep. Um, what's your next thing? Um, yeah, you mentioned the the closer uh, stuff from BG and Sweat. Um, I got a little bit of a gripe here with okay. um, with with um, I guess the way the game was called at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, give Nick Sirianni all the credit in the world for having the courage and the balls or whatever you want to call it for going for it on fourth down as much as he does. Like on the opening drive, yeah. you just don't see teams go for fourth and one on their own thirty-two. On the opening drive of the game, you just don't see teams do that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Eagles have the play that is unstoppable, and they are willing to put their trust that they're going to always get first downs when they run the brotherly shove, as they should. Still, for them to actually do that, it's a big deal. Then they go for it on fourth and three uh, on that same drive from the Dallas 27 instead of kicking the field goal. And ultimately, you know, they they wind up scoring a touchdown on their opening drive. Big deal. And a big part of the reason why they were able to score on that, on that opening drive is because Nick Sirianni is, is willing to roll the dice and go for it in those situations. That said, <laughs> at the end of the game on their final possession, how are you just running it three times and, and punting? It's insane to me. The Cowboys have three timeouts. So you run it three times. You bleed all their timeouts left. They get the ball back with, you know, they're going to get it back with you know, a hot, like 40, 50 seconds uh, left on the clock. I don't know what they're watching, but the Eagles passing or the Eagles passing defense was unable to stop the Cowboys passing attack the entirety of the day. And then sure enough, Cowboys, boom, 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 right down the field. Of course, you know, long pass interference penalty, um, you know, helps with that. But they get right down the field and they're in a position to, you know, take four shots into the end zone uh, for the win. Obviously, it doesn't work out that way. Josh Sweat ruins those plans, but I can't. I can't imagine why you wouldn't put the game in your offense's hands. Get one first down, kneel downs from there on out. You need one first down. Your offense has been clicking all day. Go get the first down and win the game. Don't give it back to. Don't don't put don't put the ball back in the hands of the unit that has been wrecking you all night. And I know that, like, I'm surely, I'm guessing the analytics in that situation probably say to punt it away, you know, to bleed out their timeouts and punt it away. I'm guessing, but not when the game has gone the way that it went, <laughs> like throughout the entirety of the four quarters leading up to that moment. I, I thought it was uh, just a very cowardly kind of uh, sequence for the Eagles to just be content to run it three times, bleed out their timeouts, and, and punt. I totally agree. It doesn't match the personality of that first drive we just talked about. Um, by the way, Mike McCarthy opted for a did opt for a field goal just six yards behind where the Eagles were there. The Eagles were at the third, four, uh, fourth and three at the 27. Mm-hmm. Cowboys were at fourth and three at the 33. Six yards difference. 
that's kind of makes the difference at the end of these games when you have a coach who actually gives you an edge and is aggressive. But, I mean, even yeah. more reason to go for it from the 33 because it's just a little bit of a harder field goal. So all, all the more reason to go for it there than at the 27. Well, well, also, and I talked about this with RJ, and he wouldn't agree with me in terms of crushing McCarthy because he's a McCarthy defender to a fault. And I was like, you also have to add in the context the Eagles were getting the ball back with plenty of time to do something. They didn't do anything. Exactly, right. So time. if you get the first down, you bleed more clock. Yeah. Uh, at the end of that second quarter there and then we're also getting the ball back to begin the third quarter so like it was all the more reason why you needed those points there but in any case i bring that up as just to kind of you know to contrast to give that context like you were saying as well to give credit to nick but yeah i mean they were too conservative there i'll also loop in here you know a lot of people were mad at that third and three situation where um you know they take a shot to aj brown down the field i kind of like so I don't, I mean, I want to know like how much of that is Jalen Hurts, you know, deciding to do that versus, you know, what else is available for them there. I know Alameda is, he has looked to be open at the sticks underneath. Um, Hurts likes to be aggressive at times. Um, Brian Johnson's getting killed for that play. Maybe it's a bad call by him. Even so, he's still aiming to get the ball to like your most unguardable player. Yeah. So like, I don't hate that. And also... The throw was awful. The throw was out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't want to hear like, oh, terrible play call. And then the throw being out of bounds, like doesn't get any blame. Like, no, like the throw was really bad. And Jalen Hurts had a great game, to be clear. But that throw was terrible. And I think it's fair to, you know, say they could have run it there because not only do you get the benefit of running the clock a little bit more, even though it's not like it's like four minutes left in the game. So you're not quite in that mode, but still good. And then, you know, maybe because you just need a, a yard or two and you can conceivably go for it obviously if it's fourth and one so i get it i think they should have run the ball there but i didn't i wasn't as mad as other people seem to be at that third and three play um i thought it was fine it, you, have, you have one-on-one matchup with the best receiver in the nfl yeah, Th- yeah. Throw out th- it's fine it's totally fine and, and you're, we're, like, we're you're, talking about how awesome Jalen Hurts is here, but now he can't throw it in the key spot right okay yeah yeah totally fine call in my opinion and like also um uh you're going to get a better matchup in that situation down the field because Dallas is going to be playing the sticks. So yep. if uh, you complete that, it's game basically. Pretty so, much. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I I thought that was a totally fine play call. Well, I'm glad you agree because I, I saw a lot of hate for that play, and it's just you know, it's just the it's the microcosm of the Brian Johnson is everything to blame. But then when the offense is good, it's you know, I don't really hear a lot about him because the, that massive drive that the Eagles had in this game where they go up 11 points. It was like, what, 83 or so, 11-play drive? Um, like, that was – I thought that was a great job by really the offense as a whole, like the players mm-hmm. executing and then the the play calling. I thought that was that was an awesome drive. And that – ultimately, like, they didn't score again, I know, and the ending was frustrating with three straight three and outs. But to take control of the game like that and to go up 11 and to score 28 points on a Cowboys team that I think was allowing, like, something like 17 points per game entering this matchup, and the Eagles also gained more yardage wise than the Cowboys were allowing yards per game. Like this was like, overall I was happy with Brian Johnson. Again, ending was bad. And same thing with Nick Sirianni kind of looping them together. Ending was very, very bad and almost lost them the game. But I think they did more positive than negative, And uh, I still feel good about both of them. Okay. A uh, bunch of injuries from this game. Dallas Goddard broke his forearm. Uh, Jordan Davis left with, 
Uh, I wasn't, I was, of course, as you mentioned, I wasn't at the game, but the sentiment from uh, the press box seemed to be that it was grabbing at his hamstring. He spent a lot of yeah, time. That was, I even saw that in the broadcast. He, he grabbed at his hammy after that play where Dak took off running and like Jordan Davis tried to get him from behind and Dak just got beyond the marker there. Yeah, he grabbed his hammy after that. Nicobe Dean left and did not return. Mm. Um, so we'll see. Uh, oh, and of course, Darius Slay uh, got hurt. Seemed fine, I guess, after the game. Um, yeah. In, in interviews that I saw, James Bradbury went down. Did he come back after his injury? I feel like he didn't. I thought he did. Maybe he did. But anyway, he went out for a little bit. Um, big injury here, obviously, is Dallas Goddard, who has the broken form. He's going to be out. Like, I would imagine they'll put him on IR whenever well, we'll they... we'll see. I think he's going to go on IR because they'll probably need because... his roster spot. Um, okay. um, I mean, their if next four the... games are kind of a big deal. Cause then, yeah. and, and the one at the end of that four-game stretch is the Cowboys. So you got, you know, at right. Chiefs. Bills, 49ers, at Cowboys. And the timeline for his recovery is roughly four weeks. So, you know, we'll see if he can return in that time frame. And if he does, when you include the bye week, then he would be back in time for that Cowboys game. So, yeah, I think I think you're right to wonder if he'll go on IR. <coughs> Excuse me, or not. He was taken down in a very, we'll be kind and call it awkward way, by Marquise Bell. Uh, undrafted linebacker for the Cowboys. By the way, he's a local guy. He went to Bridgeton High School, where he grew up in Bridgeton, at least. Uh, Bridgeton, New Jersey, in, in South Jersey. Um, went to school in Florida somewhere, I think, but whatever. Who cares? Really awkward-looking tackle. Dallas Garter tried to stiff-arm him, and Bell kind of both twisted his arm, and uh, some people think he landed on it purposefully. Uh, as he went down, I don't know if he land, tried to land on his wrist necessarily on purpose, but it was a pretty aggressive, <laughs> like, you know, awkward looking tackle. What did you think about that? I have, I feel like I've seen Goddard get taken down in a similar way because he'll do that. You know, I, and I give him credit for being tough and wanting to get yards after the catch. He's good at that. But I do think there is kind of a fine line to, to, to toe there when it comes to protecting yourself a little bit better. Um, and like, you know, having the awareness you're by the sideline anyway, you're going out of bounds. Maybe you don't give the defender something to grab onto like that and latch onto that with knowing that you can get hurt again. That's easier said than done. I think, um, yeah, it certainly didn't look good live in addition to being slowed down on the replay. Um, I, I I didn't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it was like the cleanest takedown I've ever seen, but I don't know that it was necessarily dirty. I'm kind of in the middle on that. He's not going to get fined or anything like that. I, I don't imagine uh, for that tackle, but um, I don't know. I think that's a tackle that they maybe the NFL might have to look at because they, I think they, that's fair. They also, because they got rid of a similar type of tackle, but to the legs where guys were like alligator rolling yes. guys and they yes. got rid of, they got that out of the game. Um, this was similar in that he was twisting his arm as he was tackling them. And I think that twisting action is maybe something that needs to be adjudicated, maybe. Okay. Um, but again, if you're, if you're like as you mentioned, if you're going to stiff arm a guy, prepare to get your arm grabbed by, by that defender, like, and uh, you're, you know, you're putting your arm at risk uh, when you do that. So um, they're going to get Cam Jurgens back. Uh, I imagine over this break, they will also be getting 
um, uh, Bradley Roby back over this break. I thought Tyler Steen showed a few nice things uh, in relief of Jurgens in the run game. But when he got matched up with anyone with any kind of quickness uh, on that Dallas line, it did not go well. So a um, little bit of growing pains for him in his first ever NFL start, but also showed some nice things as well. I'm sure the Eagles will be welcoming Cam Jurgens back with open arms <laughs> back into the starting lineup where he's been, I think he's very clearly the better player between him, Steam, and, and Suo Opeto, of course, filled in for a little bit too. On the injury note, uh, Quez Watkins and Justin Evans will also be eligible to return mm-hmm. from IR, assuming they are you know healthy enough to, and the Eagles want them. I'm sure they will want Quez back, especially with Goddard gone. Not that you're running the offense through Quez, but still having that other receiving option. Yep. I do think you know Julio Jones could get a little bit more involved than he otherwise would have moving forward, considering that he is not a tight end himself, but kind of has you know a bigger frame and yep. can be used. Um, I don't think we're going to see, you know, a huge spike in targets for, you know, like Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra more than they got previously. Sure. But like nothing huge. And then you can throw Albert O in there as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big injury. <clears throat> I do think they are at least, you know, he still has to miss four games if they goes on IR, but the fact that you have the buy and if he only has to miss four weeks means that you could potentially hold on to him on the roster with the hopes that he could play in that Cowboys game um, and feel like that might be worth it if he can play in that as opposed to, you know, the roster spot, depending how they want to weigh that out. So that'll be interesting to see. And also they don't have to make a decision on it until I think pretty much Monday when they play the chiefs, like early that day, because um, that's the deadline for them to put him on IR and then he'll count towards, you know, that one game that the chiefs game will count. Right. One yeah, it's it's missed. it's four games on IR to our not listeners, weeks. not four weeks that you have to be on IR. So that's kind of nice. I feel like to have that time because then you can kind of see, I guess, to some extent, how he's progressing and whatnot, and and seeing if he's making progress, and then make a determination then, as opposed to like you have a game this week, you kind of have to make a call as soon as or as late as this Saturday, basically. So you have some extra time there. Um, why don't we take a break here? But. Not before I tell you quickly about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. I was just looking at RighteousFelon.com, Jimmy, before the show here. They have a super mobile-friendly website here where I'm looking at all-natural, American-made meat snacks, jerky, biltong, which is my personal favorite because it's tender. I love the meat sticks that they have as well. Their flavors are incredible. The fiery habanero meat stick is my favorite as a nice level of spice to it, but um, not just spice, good flavor as well. Obviously, you can get the OG hickory flavor. The meat sticks are tender and delicious and certainly better than any kind of competing thing that is similar to that that I've had like way, like way incredibly better. And I would stake my reputation on that. So go to RightToSelling.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order today. And we will be back after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer Company and Right to Sell and Craft Jerky is also brought to you by Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Yes. Uh, 856-906-9295 if you are looking to buy or sell your home. Okay. So what else <laughs> do, do we hear, have remaining? Can you hear butters back there? I hear the butters. Um, I guess we should probably, am I still frozen on your screen or can you see? You are. Yeah. You're still frozen. It's a funny position too. He's begging to leave the, he's begging to leave my office right now. Oh, he's been doing that since like the beginning of the pod. (laughs) Yeah. At least from what I've noticed in the background. Oh, okay. Um, probably talk, maybe I'll let him out real quick. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to talk about Sean Desai while I don't know where Jimmy is because usually I have the video up, but again, he's frozen. So I'm just basing it off of audio cues. Okay, you we all heard the slam door there, and now Jimmy will be settling back in. Um, Sean Desai. Okay, yes. I think this is a weird game to parse for him because on one hand, they only allowed six second and a half points, and that's pretty good. But they came so close to allowing a lot more than that between uh, this, the Schoonmaker touchdown that wasn't and the Dak Prescott two-point conversion that wasn't, and the end-of-game scenario, Cowboys six yards away from the end zone scenario that did not result in a touchdown. So it was almost way worse. And like you said earlier in the show, I don't think the plan for covering CeeDee Lamb, who had a career game, was very good. The fact that the Eagles thought they could get away with Eli Ricks and Sidney Brown Two players who are rookies, one in Eli Ricks, who's an undrafted rookie free agent who did not play in the slot, uh, at least in Eagles training camp. I don't know where he was at Alabama. I don't think he, he mostly was played that. outside at Alabama. Yeah. So, like, LSU. it's a whole new role. And same thing with Sidney Brown. Sidney Brown's not like, you know, a, he's a safety, he's not yeah. just a slot guy. So, you, the rotation of those guys is really tough, especially considering you're paying top 15 cornerback contracts to James Bradbury and Darius Slay on the outside. I know defensive coordinators can be reluctant to have their corners shadow players because of some of the things that does to your defense or making it more predictable or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, I think you're overthinking it at that point. Like, who who cares about predictability? Like, you know what they're going to do. They're going to keep throwing it to (laughs) CeeDee Lamb and (laughs) you don't have an answer for him. I'd rather go down with you know, something else than CeeDee Lamb beating Eli Ricks and beating Sidney Brown. So I don't think there was enough. And again, you're paying big play slay. We love our elite cornerback. Like then let him go up against the top receiver. And, and he to wanted to. Down. Yeah, and yeah. He wanted, he wanted to follow so, CeeDee Lamb across the field. That, I just, the plan was not good enough. And it's not even like you're on your third string cornerback. You're on your like third string cornerback rotation of two rookies who are playing out of position. Like that's a disastrous situation. That is a, if you're at the Cowboys perspective, you're like, this is awesome. This could not be more of a better matchup for us. The Cowboys are hoping that you put Eli Ricks and Snee Brown on them. They don't want to see Darius Slay in there. So yeah, I think Desai dropped the ball there. He did adjust a little bit. We did see some Slay on Lamb at points. I don't think it was enough. 
Um, I don't know how to parse again the fact that the Eagles ultimately did come up big and didn't allow points at the end of the game, but almost did. A lot of good slot corner or a lot, lot of good slot receivers coming up on the Eagles' uh, schedule here too. The Chiefs maybe not as much, but uh, Stefan Diggs plays a lot in the slot for the Bills. Uh, Debo Samuel, of course. I mean, fill in the blank for anyone on the on the Forty ers Debo Samuel Samuel plays in there. Brandon Ayuk plays in there. Uh, they'll throw George Kittle in there, of course, um, for the Forty ers And then you're right back with Dallas again with CD Lamb. So they got to have better plans. And maybe Bradley Roby comes in and he's just good. Like we'll we'll see. But uh, the 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 plan that they had for for CD Lamb in, in that game was, like you said, just clearly not good enough. Part of it's on the personnel for sure like I think Desai can only do so much because they're clearly just weak over the middle of the field I mean you know Jake Ferguson had a big game as well um I would like to see the players play better as well like Kevin Byard I don't think has been good so far he's adjusting to a new defense so I think there's some grace to be had there but you know they really need him to step it up Um, they don't even need him to be all pro but just he's I think he's not being good they need him to be better um, we'll see where Nicobe Dean is at. Zach Cunningham had an awesome game in this game, by the way. He was, I think, kind of been like an underrated player coming out of this game. He obviously had the highlight moment when um, Darius Slay and him combined to ta- to tackle Dak Prescott um, and send him flying in the air like a helicopter there. Um, so that was pretty crucial. Uh, on the whole, he led the team in tackles in ten, and those like those weren't like empty tackles where you know the Cowboys are running the ball down the Eagles throat and he's just happening to make the tackle. Those are like impact tackles. Um, PFF credited him with four stops, which they've defined as like a tackle that results in a failure for the offense. And that was a team high and it felt that way. So, um, you know, big Zach Cunningham game, but you know, that being said, they're just, they're not really strong over the middle there. And that has been a concern dating back to training camp. And it was an issue that popped up as, you know, dating back to week one against Mac Jones and the Patriots. And it continues to be an issue. I do think Bradley Roby gives you more of a floor, you know, a higher floor than you, you have currently with, you know, Eli Ricks and Sidney Brown. I don't think he's, you know, coming in to be any kind of pro bowl player. So I still think you're going to have these issues, but hopefully just not to the extent that you are. I undersold the chief slot receiver. Rasheed Rice is having a good year for them uh, as a rookie 32 for three seventy eight and four touchdowns. 78% catch rate, uh, 9.2 yards per target, which is really good. Yeah, so they don't get a break there. <laughs> my 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 apologies for uh, underselling him. Anything else in the game? No, I think we covered it all. I guess the big takeaway that I would have is that, and I think you kind of already alluded to this, but yeah, I think winning kind of becomes a skill over time. Um, when you just find different ways to win week in, week out. And the Eagles have that. Like the Eagles have that, that skill of quote unquote winning. Nick Sirianni is now 32 and 11 for mm-hmm. his career in the regular season. His winning percentage, I, I think, is 727. It's over 700 for sure. By far the best in Eagles history. Um, again, kind of on a smaller sample size, but um, they find ways to win. And Jalen Hurts. You know, you can spin, however, you know, his record in a million different ways. And they're all, it's like impressive any way that you want to do it. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I think that's, that's kind of wild. And, and it makes sense that you mentioned earlier about how they have had the best record in the NFL at every point since the beginning of the 2022 season. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, it does make sense. Um Yeah. 
There's something good to team. it. They, it's a, they're they're kind of good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, bottom line, it's, it's, it's a good team, and they win a lot of games. Uh, my last thing is just the running game. You know, it needs to be better. The Eagles were averaging almost twice the amount of yards in their first five weeks than they have been in their last four. Yeah. That's an issue. And I think getting Cam Jurgens back will certainly help with that. I don't think it's the only thing. Um, it's a little weird because I don't think DeAndre Swift just got bad. I think he's he he didn't his rushing numbers didn't look good in this one, but I thought he still had some good runs and he still has juice. Um I would like to see Rashad Penny. The Rashad Penny thing is so bizarre. Okay, so you know he plays in this game because Boston Scott misses it due to personal reasons. Mm-hmm. He nothing in the first half, and then to begin the second half, he gets the first two carries. He gains eight yards combined on them. A run of six, a run of two, and then he doesn't play again at all. Like, what, like that's so random. Like what? What? Like what is the impetus for that? What is the goes behind that? Um, I do think if the running game continues to struggle and let me give some credit here to Kenny G. Nick Sirianni trusting in him paid off. I hope that doesn't turn out to be a false positive by continuing to overuse him in the red zone. But Kenny G had a nice run in the red zone there. Credit to him. I think that was the Eagles' longest touchdown run this season. I think I saw Bo Wolf tweet that out. Um, if the running game doesn't get better, I mean, they they have to get Penny involved or at least try. You know, Try something different. Change the dynamic here. Um, so that's, that is one thing. And that, and especially how the lack of the running game success manifested late in the game, which is usually where, you know, the Eagles can put the game away. Like that's their bread and butter. Typically they get the ball late in the game and then they don't give it back in this game. Their last six runs went for 10 yards total. Like that's not good. That's really bad. So, uh, that's something on my radar. Okay. Um, I didn't, I didn't have anything to say on Matt Leo. Everyone loved the underwear thing, but uh, Matt Garofolo or not Matt Mike uh, Garofolo cleared that up on Twitter. Matt Leo, I guess, cleared that up on Instagram. So there you go. Um, what did he clear? Last up? thing I that it wasn't uh, a thong. I think. Yeah, I guess it's just like this performance underwear brand or whatever. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I mean, Matt Leo can wear any kind of underwear he wants as far as, I don't know, whatever. It's up to him. Yeah. Uh, Especially if the Eagles are winning, could be lucky. Be his lucky underwear. So uh, last thing, I lied about the running game being the last thing because this isn't necessarily game related because he didn't play. But Derek Barnett was demoted, Jimmy, to being a healthy scratch, uh, which I thought certainly was notable. Yeah, we've been saying that. Like, why is he on the team? Are they going to cut him? Do you think they might cut him? I think, gonna, like you so, said, they're going to need roster spots. They need so roster why spots. Why is he here? Yeah, uh, and they tried to trade him at the deadline. Um, I think it's very notable that he was inactive the first game after the deadline because it was like they may maybe they were hoping that like he could just flash somehow and they could get something for him. Yeah, and so I think they were the willing to they were willing to trade a handful of different players because they needed roster spots and they found somebody that could, you know, that had use for Contavious street. So he was the one that went, I don't think the mm-hmm. Contavious street was necessarily like the 53rd guy on the roster. And like that, like we're trading him or nobody. I think they, they had a handful of guys that were willing to trade and it just happened to be him. But yeah, they tried to trade Derek Barnett at the, at the, at the deadline. And mm-hmm. I guess just, I don't know what happened, but I, my assumption is nobody wanted him. <laughs> so like, Shocker. and you know what, you know, if he played, like he would have done some, something crazy and they, they would have lost the game. Right. I mean, Kevin Byer <laughs> kind of took up the mantle of the dumb personal foul penalty in his yeah. absence, but yeah. 
Yeah, that was so a we'll dumb s- penalty by him. And he was reacting to like the, the other guys should have been called. You're not allowed to pull guys off of a pile. And that went unnoticed. It's so funny, by the way, like the the complaining about the officials from uh, Cowboys fans after this game. And I thought it was a badly officiated game, to be clear. But there were horrendous calls that went against both teams in this game. So shut up. Like they've gotten so many advantageous calls over the years in in this matchup. Like, shut up. They also both had ten penalties, and the Eagles got penalized for more yards total. Like the Eagles were the more penalized overall team. Yeah. Anyway, this wasn't like the Dolphins game where the Eagles didn't get called at all. I mean, that's I know the Dolphins fans also took it too far, but I get it. It's kind of like hard to believe the Eagles didn't commit a penalty at all in the game. Right. Anyway. Spinning it forward a little bit here, I guess, uh, or checking in elsewhere in the league, I guess is the way to, to better frame it. Uh, Carson Wentz is back in the NFL, Jimmy. This does not reset the bet we had because the bet that we had was the uh, he would not be on a week one roster. He would not be on a team by week one, and he wasn't. It took until week 10 for him to finally sign and it took a situation where there's a question going on with the starter because Matthew Stafford is dealing with this uh, thumb injury that isn't even allowing him to grip the ball. So the Rams are signing Wentz to potentially start. And they only signed him after Brett Rippon went out there and was like disastrously yeah. bad and like uh, just untenable, horrible. And the Rams are like theoretically alive in the NFC playoff picture. Not really, but they're three and six. And in theory, they could still, you know, if they went on a run here, maybe they could get the seven seed. Doubt it. Seven seed um, right now is the Vikings at five and four, yeah. so they're only two games behind that team. So yeah, they're not totally done, but there are a lot of teams in between them and the Vikings. I think there's like five yeah, or so teams. Commanders, um, the Falcons. Gonna, yeah. gonna, the bottom line here is the seven seed is going to be a very bad team. <laughs> so whoever whoever gets the two seed is going to have a very easy opponent in the wild card round of, of the NFC playoffs. The NFC seven seed has always been blown out. It's always literally, literally always. It was yeah. the Bears that RJ and I talked about this on the mixtape. It was the Bears the first year. Trubisky got blown out uh-huh. by the Saints, I believe. The Eagles got blown out by the Bucks. Yep. And then it last year it was the Seahawks got blown out by the forty. Like it's were they just the a seven waste. seed? The Seahawks. Yep. Oh yeah, I guess they would have been. Yeah. So it's just been a waste of a spot. But anyway, I guess congrats to Carson Wentz who. Like best case scenario, he kind of has the Baker Mayfield glow up where right. he comes in and maybe does some things for the Rams, assuming that st- they stick with him or Stafford is continues to be hurt, whatever. And then some desperate team signs him to be like their bridge quarterback just to fill a gap in the offseason. But um, I'm going to guess that he plays poorly if he has to play. Yeah, uh, semi-ironic, I guess, that he goes to the team that hurt him. Like that, you know, caused his his knee to be torn up, and then he had to watch Nick Foles go win a Super Bowl uh, from the sideline. So, yeah, it's his fourth team now in in four years, and uh, decent chance that next year will be five. So, and of course, the Eagles already played the Rams; they were on their schedule. The Eagles beat them twenty three to fourteen, I think, or something like that. So, um, maybe this would have been a little bit more of a fun signing if the Eagles still had the Rams on their schedule. Uh, but as you mentioned, the Rams unlikely to make the playoffs, not totally out of it, but still unlikely to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, so very highly unlikely the Eagles will face the Rams again this season. 
also kind of unfortunate that the like Rams didn't play the Cowboys until after this signing. Because then, you know, if you wanted to root for Carson Wentz to beat the Cowboys, he could have done that. Now you don't really have that. I guess they play the 49ers again. If if he ha- happens to be starting for them, you could do that there. Mm-hmm. And maybe the Seahawks too. Um, those, you know, again, matter potentially for the Eagles playoff seating. But um, that's about it. He's back. Okay. Anyway. Uh, let's make picks, Jimmy, for okay. week 10 because – uh, programming note here we will not be doing a bgn radio preview show this week because there isn't okay. a game to preview it's <laughs> it's the bye week we'll still have plenty of coverage at bleedinggreennation.com i'm sure you know for jimmy as well as phillyvoice.com in addition to here at the bleeding green nation podcast feed john stolness has an eye on the enemy still coming even though the eagles don't have an enemy this weekend he's going to do like a schedule prediction for the rest of the way so we will have more content coming for you but taking a little bit of a step back personally during the bye week. So uh, we appreciate you giving us that grace, even though I'm just deciding it on your behalf. So why don't we quickly look ahead to the lines for week 10? There are three games that we will make mention of here. The Saints, who the Eagles own their second round pick. It looked there It looked there for a little bit that it could have been a good week for this because it looks like the Bucks might win. It looks like the Falcons might win. And it looks like the Saints might actually not win against the Bears. Uh, but ultimately, all the opposite of those things happened, which is bad news because the Eagles want to see the Saints not win the NFC South so that the second round pick they get from them can potentially be you know, better. Uh, but the Saints are two and a half point favorites at the Minnesota Vikings. Who do you have, Jimmy? Vikings. Uh, love the Vikings Same. against the Falcons last week. And they came through. I think the Vikings are kind of uh, scrappy. They are feisty. They are, what other adjectives can we come up with? Um, Rambunctious. Yes, sure. We'll go with that. Um, five and four for them. And the Saints, they've been playing better of late as well. Like it was look like, looking like their season might take a pretty nasty downward turn uh, after the game where Chris Olave didn't run out a go route. The, the ball was like not supposed to be heading his way in any way. And then. Derek Carr threw to him anyway, way out of bounds. Like the ball was like three, four, five yards out of bounds. And then he screamed at Chris Olave after the play because he didn't run mm-hmm. hard. And, you know, then Michael Thomas jumps in and says, well, he's not even supposed to get the ball on that route and blah, 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 blah. Like he, the car looked at the right side, never came back to the backside where his options two and three were on that progression. And it was looking like, you know, they weren't on the same page at all, and it looked like that that situation could maybe blow up a little bit. But they've re-stabilized. They're now 5-4, and four, but uh, I like the Vikings here to win outright. And how many points do I get with this, too? Uh, two and a half. All right, yeah, and I'll gladly take the two and a half if you're going to give it to me. But yeah, I'll take the Patriots too. to win this game. Or, excuse you me, the, the Vikings, Vikings to win this game, yeah. I will also do that. Okay, Commanders at Seahawks. Commanders, if the season ended today, which I believe it doesn't they would be the number eight seed just on the outside looking in of the seven seed playoffs so commander's still very much alive mm-hmm. for a postseason berth even though they were sellers at the trade deadline uh sam howell potentially maybe a quarterback of the future for the commanders we'll see washington there seems to be some sentiment that they believe in him they're playing the seahawks who have not played as well recently coming off a bad loss to the Ravens in Baltimore. Seahawks are six 
point favorites despite that in the battle of two Washington football teams. I'll actually take the Seahawks here. I'm comfortable betting against the Commanders, even though, uh, you know, past two weeks, they they played competitively against the Eagles and then beat the Patriots, Mm -hmm. but not like the Patriots are great or anything. So uh, I will take the Seahawks. I still think the Seahawks are a good team. I think the Seahawks are fine as well. Um, and yeah, give me them. I'll lay the six. Uh, I think the commanders are terrible. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm not convinced by these last two weeks. That by the way, uh, the reporting by Diana Rossini does a great job for the athletic. It said that there are people in the building uh, at the commanders that believe that Sam Howell is their franchise quarterback, which to me is insane. Like it, you don't want to keep your, at least your options open. You're like, if a quarterback comes along somehow in the draft and he's there and you can get him do it or if you know by some other means via trade whatever it may be if there's a situation where a quarterback becomes available and you can get it by all means go ahead and go get that quarterback and if for whatever reason you can't like it's just this price to trade up isn't there or a quarterback just doesn't fall into your lap, then fine. You can go into another year with Sam Howell as your quarterback for basically another tryout year with him in 2024. And I think that's a totally reasonable position to take as well. But to be like, you know, right now on December, what, 8th? Or November. November 8th? To be like, he's our franchise quarterback? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Because, shows- you beat the, because you beat the Patriots? Like he's shown some promise and I think he's got some nice skills, but come on. Like, and I guess if you're that franchise, it's been so long since you've actually seen a decent quarterback that maybe you're kind of over evaluating what you have here. Maybe that's part of what's going on there. I don't know, but like, man, they just don't know what they're doing in Washington, which is a theme that just continues in, in, in perpetuity. Um, I don't know. Maybe he is the guy. Uh, he certainly could be, but at this point, there's no way that you can look at his body of work and say, "Oh yeah, he's definitely our franchise quarterback." I think if you're the Eagles, you should be happy that the Commanders might be keeping themselves in purgatory, in QB purgatory, in yes, organization as a whole. I think this year has the potential to be a false positive for them if they do happen, you know, like make the playoffs there because they won't get as good of a draft pick, and they'll be like, "Oh, we're actually not that far off." So. Uh, I, I think the way this is going for the Eagles side of it is actually not too bad if they end up do winning this game and kind of, you know, just floating around here. Um, also, you know, considering they have two matchups against the Cowboys left, you still you do want them to be competitive and, you know, play right. hard in those games and not just tank and try to actually beat Dallas. So um, I'll, you'll take that as well. But, uh, yeah, we both have the Seahawks winning and covering this game, which brings us to. The Giants being 16-point road underdogs against the Cowboys in Dallas. I mean, I don't I don't know the case for the Giants. Like, what is the case for them? Is that the Cowboys just beat themselves incredibly? I think the Cowboys can turn the ball over, you know, like they could the Cowboys can have a minus three turnover differential and still win this game. Like they might have a minus four or five. Five is maybe pushing it, but four. I could see like they're they're maybe they don't cover the spread at this point, okay, but they're gonna win this game. I'm not just saying this as a reverse jinx thing. It's the Giants are terrible, and the Giants have every reason to not be competitive in terms of I think this season could actually work out very well for them for the long term if they get the number one overall pick or close to it, or they can trade up or or get the number two overall pick or whatever and actually get a worthwhile franchise quarterback. 
Uh, I think that could actually work out for them. But uh, yeah, they're terrible, and the Cowboys will win in cover. See, I think the big blowout of the year that people point to so far this year is when the Dolphins beat the Broncos 70 to 20 or whatever it was. I think the bigger blow is what happened week one <laughs> in this in this very matchup with the Cowboys and Giants, where the Cowboys just did whatever they wanted to do to them on defense and then offense. They did enough and they put up the points that they did. But what was that, 40 to nothing, I think, that game? Yeah, and that game, and that was at MetLife, yeah. So Met, it was at MetLife, and it's like week one, Giants fans are still, you know, hopeful. <laughs> right. And they knew instantaneously oh this season's not gonna go well uh or maybe they didn't know yet but. well the first drive looked promising and <laughs> yeah. as soon as that blocked field goal came then it was all over yeah so i mean i i look at a line like 16 and i don't like that or what, what is that what you said what is it yep, 16 16 yeah. i look at a line like that and i don't like laying those kinds of points but <laughs> Uh, yeah, but what like, are you putting your faith in? Right. in well, the, well, like, what do you? There is saying? none. There's no argument for the Giants in this game. There's none. I mean, I, the only thing maybe you could look at is you go, okay, well, Terrence Steele is really bad, and okay. maybe Kayvon if Thibodeau's gonna, <laughs> if Kayvon Thibodeau has ten sacks in this game, then there's a chance the Giants can win this game. But yeah, there's just, I mean, Daniel Jones is done for the year. Tyrod Taylor uh, is still on IR, so they're going to be starting. Um, what's his face? Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito or Matt Barkley uh, in yeah. this game. No good options. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be a bloodbath. In my, and Cowboys coming off. I mean, the, I would say the Cowboys would be coming off this loss and they'd be pissed and they'd be ready to, you know, take the head off some terrible team. But they seem content with the loss that they <laughs> with the loss they had against the Eagles on Sunday. But uh, I don't know, going a little too far down a rabbit hole here. Uh, give me the Cowboys and I'll lay the points. What well, what could this line be where you would take the Giants? It'd have to be into the twenties. Uh, I don't like, think it'd have to go more than three touchdowns. So mm-hmm. if it were like twenty one and a half, then I might take the Giants in that case. I'm wondering, like, I wonder what you could tease this up to alternate uh, alternate spread lines. Let me look for that. And even then, like, I wouldn't feel comfortable with it. Hmm. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm looking at the alternate spread here. What can I te- what can I tease it up to on the DraftKings sportsbook app? I can tease it up to Cowboys favored by I think the most that it'll go is Cowboys favored by twenty eight and a half points. I can oh, do that. Okay. That's, that's that's as much as I can do. And the odds are on that are plus uh, three eighty six. So translation, if I bet, $10, yeah, they're not even that good of odds. <laughs> yeah, if I bet ten dollars, I would win thirty eight. Yeah, that's uh, it. <laughs> $38 and 60 cents. So, um, but I don't know. I mean, I mean, that's a little extreme. Yeah. 28. That's, that's a little tough, uh, over four touchdowns there, but I mean, I, yeah, I would go into the 20, I'd say 20, 20, even I'm definitely, I, I would take the Cowboys at 20 even. Um, okay. Anyway, both taking the Cowboys. So, uh, kind of a boring bye week, I think for the Eagles in that regard, you know, it's not like, Oh, Eagles are on bye, but you have this big juicy matchup that you're watching to kind of, uh, you know, really root for a team against um, the Lions. You know, the Eagles will be rooting for the Lions to lose. They play the Chargers uh, in L.A. So that would certainly help the Eagles, especially because the Chargers are like the toughest team potentially that the uh, Lions still have to play. Although, you know. They have the Cowboys like, a little later down the line, but otherwise. Oh, okay. The, 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 that's it. But that's it. It's, it's the Chargers this well, week and the Cowboys like week 
17, I think. And the otherwise, Vikings. they they play a lot of... Yeah, yeah okay. It's a division game, so yeah. that could get a little interesting. But yes. There's the a lot point, of trash on their schedule. Definitely. The point being, there's a lot more you know winnable games for them. So uh, that'll be worth paying attention to. But again, and then like it's not even like the Eagles get to watch their upcoming opponent play on the bye because the Chiefs are also on the bye week here this yeah. week. So um, not a lot of juice to this week, I think, if you're the Eagles. But that's all right. You know, you can take a break. You can actually enjoy a midseason kind of reprieve here and hope that the Eagles can kind of pick it up after the bye week and, and get better. And I think as we <clears throat> talked about throughout the show, I think there are reasons to believe this team can get even better with some of the injury reinforcements and whatnot. So, um, and they're eight and one. They're eight and one coming off the bye. Vibes are good. Vibes are positive. It hasn't been uh, stress free. It hasn't been maybe as enjoyable as you would have hoped certainly but the bottom line is in their great spot and it'll be a real exciting stretch here and you know we're going to get to see as we've been saying what this team is truly made of coming up and potentially go on a run for back-to-back one seeds which would be very impressive in its own right Mm -hmm. like let alone winning the division two years in a row the Eagles are in According to the New York Times playoff simulator, the Eagles have an 88% chance right now of winning the NFC East. That itself, again, to me, is incredible, considering that no team repeats as division winners in this division. It just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. It hasn't happened in 20 years. And they're on the cusp of doing that. They have a really good path to be able to at least being able to do that. So I think people cannot take it for granted and need to stop down and actually take a moment to appreciate that and I'm not saying you hang, you hang your banner for this, but you, you take a, a beat and be like, hey, this is actually pretty cool. This is nice. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy? Uh, mm, no, I think I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see to you. My final thought is please follow our wonderful producer who I feel so bad for because this episode was like a disaster at the beginning. <laughs> and I hope and I, I trust I, I actually have full confidence Rachel can do her best to make it work. Follow her on Twitter at Rachel Monique. Um, she just had an interview with Devonte Smith for BGN radio. So you mm. can check out that episode. There's also a video version available on the bleeding green nation YouTube channel. Uh, Devante talked about the, you know, I'm sure you saw the Miami Heat celebration thing yes. going around, you know, with like, uh, you know, Devante throwing up the alley-oop to A.J. Brown, which he kind of didn't execute well. A.J. said it was a bad pass. Um, it's a bad uh, oop. He kept saying, yeah. it's a bad oop. It's a bad oop. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, that that got compared to the Dwayne Wade uh, LeBron thing. But anyway, I'm not going to spoil what Devante said. You can check that out for yourselves there on that podcast. So again, shout out to Rachel for making things here uh, go and run and helping us make, making us look way better at our jobs than we really are. So big shout out to Rachel. We appreciate her uh, producing the podcast as always. Okay. This was BGN radio. You can check out all of our social media and sponsor information in the show notes, the episode description below. So check that out. And we appreciate you supporting our sponsors because not only does it give you perks and benefits in your life, but, uh, it helps keep the show going here. So we really appreciate that. My content is available at bleedingrenation.com, Jimmy Kemsky at phillyvoice.com. 
we'll still be doing stuff during the bye week, but we will not be back with you uh, until probably later next week for our Eagles Chiefs preview, Super Bowl rematch preview, even though it's actually like statistically the Eagles least meaningful game on their schedule from a standing standpoint. But that's neither here nor there. We will talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.